Where did you go to school? And who is your daddy? What do you think of what's going on right now, mate? These evil little invisible parasites. Satan worshipping Freemason morons. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're not run by factions. Get the fuck out of here! There are much more powerful international forces in play. Is this pink guy? Is this what pink guy is? I don't fucking know what's happening. Please go outside and look at the moon quickly. It's been crazy, guys. We just want to tell this, mate. Mate, because I want to do this Well, I ain't spending any time on it. Welcome to the Conditional Release Program, a podcast that delves into the netherworld of cults, crims, and con artists. And welcome to our rabbit hole edition. And for mm. those who came in late, we are now going to add regular programming with all your beloved segments once a fortnight with our rabbit hole's extended discussion points uh, on the other week. Uh, and that gives us a chance to deeply research the topics that we are set to discuss. Oh, yeah. And I... And as you know, I'm Jack the Insider, otherwise known as Peter Hoisted for tax purposes. And I'm Joel Hill, and this week we are going to have a look at Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum, and of course, the Great Reset. Ooh, it sounds scary. Uh, but this is Joel's Ballywick, and he will be doing the driving in today's episode while I sit back and eat these crickets. Mm. Got a bucket of them here. They're crunchy and nutritious and better than chicken. Tastes a little bit like chicken, but better. Although the drumsticks are a little bit light on for meat. <laughs> yes, we will be eating bugs and soy paste while German police whip us from floating cars that are powered by our friends who've been bio-sludged because they were <laughs> vaccine-murdered some time ago. It, no, Jack, nobody's trying to force us to eat crickets. This is fucking stupid. But the thing is, you can eat crickets if you want to, and I'm going to say from experience, they're actually quite delicious. I like crickets, and I like cricket. Oi. Cricket's playing cricket. Now, Oi. there's something to get our cricket administrators excited about. Yeah, but onto the Great Reset, which is causing a stir, especially in right-wing and conspiracy circles alike, because they're steak and potatoes guys, or beef lips and arseholes with a side <laughs> of oven fries guys. So they hate the Great Reset. Yeah, why have they got a problem with crickets? They eat disgusting foods. <laughs> but look, all that may be true, but the reality is Klaus Schwab doesn't really give that many fucks about what you eat as long as the CEOs of large companies pay him a shitload of money to go hang out with him in Davos. Mm, in helicopters. Absolutely, and private jets, motherfuckers. But don't let the truth get in the way of a good yarn. Cookers have made this all about them. And uh. I'm going to set the record straight because almost all of it is complete bullshit. Yeah, so kick us off, Joel. What is the Great Reset other than a devilish new form of communism? And who is Klaus Schwab? And why are cookers going even more insane than they usually are over him? Yes, they are. Upping the ante a little bit with old Klaus. Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum have become the enemy of conspiracy theorist ecosystems all around the world and the right wing in general. I mean, the commentariat have their two cents. You don't need to be too much of an extremist to get involved. The most popular topics cookers will refer to are the idea that Klaus Schwab wants you to eat bugs, as we discussed before, and the idea that the World Economic Forum is trying to destroy the concept of property rights as we know it through the whole you will own nothing and be happy idea. No! They don't really flesh it out. They just say that. They just throw it in random situations. You're meant to be like, oh, shit, that sounds bad. I mean... Happy is an indicator in it, doesn't it? This is looking, this is looking terrible for my beach house. Um, yes, yeah. yes, it is. I'd love to visit one day. Can you just tell me the address? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, it's a beautiful place. It's just slightly too far away for you to go, Joel. Yeah, it's, it's uh, your girlfriend who goes to another it's, school, it's right? Where, where you send all the bad dogs to, you know. <laughs> yeah. They go to my beach house. Yeah, can't visit. You, you can't visit there, no. So people often associate property rights with Marxism. You know, Marxists want to abolish private property as a concept, and that's insane. It doesn't make any sense. People are always going to own shit. The Marxist element of this is the abolition of the capitalist ownership of the means of production, you that's know, that nice. old chestnut. There's that one guy with a monocle who owns a company and keeps all the profit. That's the thing that Marxists want to abolish, not owning underwear as a concept, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Things the guy with the monocle tends to do, like paying the workers as little as possible to keep as much as he can to himself, is the aim of this whole abolishing private property thing. But because it's some weird German translation that doesn't translate, it just sounds like abolishing private property. It's not. The Marxist vibe is the means of production. Karl Marx didn't give a fuck if you owned a car or not. Uh, no, uh, on, on for the very good reason that there were no cars when he was around. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but but this is something that I also found you know, when I studied Marx at university a very, very long time ago. Some of this stuff translated okay, but generally speaking, German to English doesn't translate well in terms of, you know, uh, almost impenetrable economic uh, e- economic theory. Yeah. I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. If you've ever read the German ideology, then it, it – and it's not a big book, you know. It's not it's not the old phone book that Das Kapital is. But, but it, it is almost impenetrable. Yeah. yeah. It, it, so maybe it's just a German to English thing, particularly when it comes to economic and political philosophies. Well, back in political economy, it was a badge of honour to have read the book, and some people said they had, but I always thought that maybe they glazed over it. I mean, really. I, I just ask our listeners to pick up a copy or maybe even just download a copy of the German ideology. It won't cost you more than a couple of bucks, I promise, and then try and read that first chapter. It's like, <laughs> it's like Durkheim. You know, it's like Durkheim on steroids. It's just really, really hard. I couldn't even get past first chapter of campaigning with Grant. So, you know, I'm doomed. So so everyone just reads the Communist Manifesto and goes, yeah, now, now I get it. We just want basically endless revolution. Yes, yeah, 30 pages. Con- yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Really not, it's really not what communism or Marxism is about. No, no, it's not. Anyway. But later in the episode, we will flesh out the reality of the whole you'll own nothing, be happy idea, but we're really going to dive into that in part two because there's so much be a two-parter, folks. The Great Reset requires two parts. Oh, God, I'm not even the sure. the conditional release programs, rabbit holes. It could go further. But what it does come from is a fairly short article from 2016, which has since been removed from the WF website because it's completely triggered right-wing ideologues. That sounds suspicious, Joel, being removed from the website. Very suspicious. Good move because it's a fucking awful article. The title is great. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better. Sounds like my life now. (laughs) Yeah, it's a bit like that, isn't it? (laughs) This is an article. It's just one of thousands WF pushes out to discuss the role of technology in society in the future. They love this whole futurist thing. But as you can tell from the title, it's an absolute corker. They do not hold back on this one. It's a whole story. How this got past the board is completely beyond me. It's just like, and like I say, like it's it's worthy of its own episode because this is so. There's just so many themes to flesh out. It's actually quite funny. Yeah. The other thing, of course, is the idea that uh, Claire Schwab wants you to eat bugs. You know, as we keep talking about, probably crickets, probably maybe crickets. other wormy type insects, maybe yeah. snakes, maybe little lizards. 
you know, whatever you can get, get your hands on. Oh, no, you say <laughs> eating bugs and snakes and reptiles is gross. Well, don't knock it till you try it. As we have discussed right. extensively, it's not yeah. so bad. I will say the salt and pepper crickets at 7-Eleven in Bangkok many years ago are actually pretty tasty. And I'm actually, I'm quite certain that was before any of these articles came out anyway. But it's not even it. We'll flesh out this utterly stupid conspiracy theory alongside this idea of a push for veganism with globalists later on as well, because it's just yeah. so dumb. Yeah, yeah. It, look, it, it does tap into some of the more ridiculous climate change uh, responses as well too, to you know reduce reduce cattle, reduce cattle numbers, reduce grazing, those sorts of things. So that's the tie-in, really. There's a tie-in yeah. there, but for the most part, that sort of stuff is really not going down. It's only going up. When it comes down to cattle and things like that, the World Economic Forum are more interested in things like enzymes you feed cattle to then break down the methane in their farts. Mm. And these are all things they're doing yeah. that cookers never talk about. Yeah, The World Economic Forum is more than happy for you to eat meat. It's just that poor people aren't allowed to. Maybe, can, maybe it would be better if cows farted less. And you know? that's what the enzymes are for. Of course, the mm. enzymes are patented and cost a fortune. But that's a whole or other story. Or we could use corks, one way or the other. Yes, exactly. And I fully endorse that idea as well. Now, I'm going to open up with this caveat. It's a massive lefty uh, disclaimer. I'm not here to cheerlead the rich and I'm not here to celebrate the elite. That's, that's my job. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Lick, <laughs> lick your overlord's boots. But a lot of the people we will discuss today are richer than anyone should ever be allowed to be. Full stop. Giving power to unelected elites is an incredibly dangerous game that relies on this benevolence and empathy in people that are often lacking both, to say the absolute least. For example, when you think of great guys, you don't think of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk, who are no, two of the no, richest people in the world this time, yet they hold an insane amount of power over society due to their immense wealth. And the number of people they employ. Yeah, but fuck them. And fuck most of the members of the World Economic Forum. Just because they're not the richest doesn't mean they're not billionaire scumbags who use their wealth to basically maintain their status as elites. Fuck them. But but one thing one thing that dis distinguishes, you know, members of the WEF uh, 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 as opposed to someone like Bezos or, or Musk is that they had le they're, they're not on this kind of libertarian push yeah. where there are no rules and you yes. know, they, they are at least turning their minds to the sort of challenges that are going to approach humanity as we go forward. Exactly, exactly. You know what's going on. So this is the, the, you know, the extended disclaimer, which is that the thing that I hate more than billionaires is bullshit. So that's what we're sort of doing here. Because the conversation around Clash Schwab and other, let's face it, mostly Jewish elites, uh -huh. absolutely coated in bullshit. And while the World Economic Forum is essentially an organization for elites to maintain their elite status, much of the work done in Davos, as you're saying, and these other meetings around the world, is based around governance and preparation for technical technological changes that will impact society in these unpredictable ways. And mm -hmm. they want to predict them so they don't fuck shit up. It's actually mm. quite well considered. And as you it's, were saying- it's, it's, it's a form of risk management. Yeah, It is, it is, it is, it is. And it, it is there for their own protection and their own advancement. But at the same time, I kind of appreciate they're doing it because companies like Uber unleash yep. themselves upon the world in that libertarian sort of fashion you were talking about. And while it's bloody great that I can get a car in a couple of minutes instead of waiting an hour for a cab, a lot of people had their shit fucked up by that. It disrupted an industry. They love the word disrupt, but it disrupted lives. 
And these sort of things should be planned before being implemented as opposed to having these, oh, we'll buy your plates back for 10% of the value bullshit after. Yeah, and while this intention to plan the future can sound benevolent, it's also an excellent opportunity to discuss self-regulation strategies to avoid government intervention into emerging technological markets. Yeah. And basically the rich don't like it when the government sets rules. They prefer it much better when they do it themselves or at least make recommendations to government. And the only people allowed in the room are the ones that pony up between 90000 and 900000 or so Australian dollars. It's a pay-for-play system where more money opens up more doors. Only the stupidly wealthy get to hang out with the heads of state at the exclusive events. Yeah, and propose their little self-regulation plans. I mean, nine hundred grand that's that's a lot of money. And there's like a few thousand members who pay this to just be on the books. But while the elites are out planning the future of the world as we know it, the World Economic Forum will release content and showcases this sort of warm and fuzzy sounding framework that's there to benefit society and please the peasants. But it is ultimately about the rich staying rich without interference from government and regulators, consulting and trying to work with them, but hoping that they'll leave them to their own devices as much as humanly possible. And while Schwab believes in his in his literature, that workers should be represented on the board of directors, not so much when it comes to attending Davos, where no free workers tickets. There. No workers there. Oh, no, 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 no. People no. cleaning no. the hotel rooms and so forth. They don't, they don't no hard hats, a, no high Get a free fees. invitation? No. Nah. Anyway. They do, however, give celebrities and influencers tickets, but uh, I don't see any fitters and turners on the guest list. Just no, because bit the, of hypocrisy well, there. To be to be fair, they are they are busy fitting and turning. They are. They they can't take a day off. The boss is being a real prick about it. Oh, boss, I was going to go to Davos and I was going to talk about artificial intelligence in <laughs> they the had a um, helicopter. They had a helicopter for me. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, nah, but it ran on biodiesel. You just get stuck on with your fitting and turning, son. Mate, if you don't make that mechanism by tomorrow, you're fucking cooked. Yeah, I want I want four four thousand of them by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what the AI is for. But even this tokenistic effort by industry and government to come together and reach an accord in an ever-changing world is just too much for these hardcore capitalists on the right wing to endure. They can't handle it. Look, it's a fair point. It's actually a really good example using fitters and turners because fitters oh. and turners would be probably very, very low on the list of occupations that will still be t- that will be very, very soon be taken over by robots and oh, fuck yeah. largely essentially are. Yeah. So what that what does that ha- what happens to those skilled artisans, yeah. those skilled trades people, uh, going forward? What happens? Drivers to them? are against the wall, but I mean, people like fitters and turners, their trade is going to get nowhere. So, in one of the extensive amounts of podcasts that I listened to on this topic, I think it was Denmark, where they have a very comprehensive union and industry based program which reskills workers in a way that ensures their living standards don't drop and they have the ability to be repurposed in all sorts of ways. It does make them sound like human capital, which can be kind of gross at times. But at the same time, what it does is it creates a situation where people who are on middle-class wages can continue to be on middle-class wages in a way that isn't disruptive to their lives. But, of course, we rely on the market for solutions here. So we just put you on unemployment, hope you can do a TAFE course, and maybe you can live at your mum's for a year. But, I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's that's the strategy. That's that, that's basically it. But even if you do get into more elaborate, like your, your, like your Danish situation, if you get into more elaborate means of retraining, reskilling, and then reentering the workforce, 
you know that with AI, robotics, etc., you know that you're really just you know that that's it's just dealing inevitable. with a very short term problem. Yeah, so we, look- are, we are going to have from a journalists, you know, basically I see it now that there are programs around that will create blogs that yeah. will actually write. You can see they're so bad that there's no sort of yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I see some of that whatsoever. when I'm researching but, conspiracies. But these things are going to change. I mean, basically, uh, the way we work is going to change. And and when we think about that, and we you know we were about to have a work uh, on a job summit in in in. Uh, in Canberra next week, actually, as we record this. Mm. When we think about work, it's the most important thing in our lives, really. Work is work sort of takes up so much of our time. The rest of the time we're asleep or eating, occasionally having sex and, and having a shower afterwards. But, the, huh? but, but work is a really big part of our lives. It's a huge part of our identity. And we it know is. that with te- technology um, really butting into our lives in very substantial ways, that the nature of work is going to change fundamentally over the next 20, 30, 40 years and beyond. Yeah, and this is what the World Economic Forum collects to, to discuss. Yeah, because, you know- but of course we wind up with conservative Republicans in the USA doing absolute backflips to make sure the rich get richer and face little to no barriers to exponential wealth. Mm-hmm. Even though Klaus, Klaus Schwab is a raging capitalist, he most certainly is. He's, he's not capitalist <laughs> enough. In place of the boring truth, conservatives and conspiracy, conspiracy theorists make up absurd dystopian fantasies in place of the simple reality of the world is changing, just like we said, and yeah. we need to change with it. Yeah. But here's the thing. Uh, Schwab's life story, well, he was born in 1938. He fled Germany with his parents so his father could continue running a a rather large corporation in Switzerland. Mm. And the family were under Gestapo surveillance during the war. So really he he, he he and his family fled the war, Uh, a Jewish background, of course. Yeah. but as a senior business figure, as as an adult, he's a, he's a trained engineer and, a, and, and, and an economist, uh, Schwab has railed about enormous corporate salaries and the lack of accountability for those in the corporate world. See, I would have thought, Joel, that cookers would be cheering him on. Oh, yeah, so uh, many things. Because that's one of their things, large you know, faceless corporations taking yep. over our lives, all this sort of stuff. Yep. And at the very pointy end of it, people walking away with multi-million dollar salaries. Yep. And he actually rails against these things. So you would think the cookers would go, hey, Klaus, we love your work, man. Yeah, yeah. But There's they don't. so much to that. There is so much to that. One of the things that I do find tricky with that is the hypocrisy yeah. of how much it costs to attend the World Economic Forum and how much that would – you know, impact on things like, uh, you know, managerial dividends and stuff like that. Someone's got to pay the bill to turn up the $900,000 for the upper echelons. Mm. And he's certainly taking the money and he's not asking too many questions. But at the end of the day, publicly facing, he will say that corporate salaries are too high in the CEO stakes. And he will publicly rail for equality across workers and managerial classes and that's the kind of stuff that cookers like to say they believe you in. would think so because we are dealing with that with that sort of intrinsic um, uh, contradiction that sort of paradox of cookers is that is that they are basically you know arguing a form of socialism a form of social equity that they don't realize and they don't and, 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 and actually and they push it to sort of reactionary sort of reactionary sort of models. But at, at its base, cookers are, you know, we should all be treated the same way by the police and, and, by, and by the courts and all that sort of stuff. They don't believe it. In fact, they don't live it. But Yes. 
But that's and what I, they that's what they say. And ironically, they get all their thoughts from thought leaders on the hard right who completely disagree with this, and they just yeah, repeat yeah. these talking points. We, we, we want to treat them. Thought. We want to treat them like cattle, and if they're not functioning cattle, fuck them. You know, it's yeah, it's bizarre. And like, so one of the things about the Great Reset is that has inspired these sort of bizarre, impassioned speeches from these cooker lawmaker types and these right-wing talking heads who are kind of mainstream on outlets like Fox News, you know, not necessarily on your right-side broadcasting networks or your Newsmaxes, but, you know, fairly right of centre, but not in the cooker territory. There seems to be this obsession with ensuring this laissez-faire approach to free market capitalism is safe from any of these sort of do-gooders who want to put a limit on exploiting resources, executive pay, and, of course, the exploitation of people. I mm. mean, you know, this is the thing. We hate unions. Including cookers. But, yeah, it's bizarre because cookers are all fucking workers. I mean, show me a cooker who actually makes any money. Maybe well, Haley well, Fertiles. Well, they used to be. I mean, they well, used to be. A couple, not many. And yeah. this is the thing, like this idea of trying to make sure that the means of production is owned by individuals who are then a protected class by really a, does a, a go against- A rapidly declining number of privileged, high wealth individuals, yeah. Yeah. And like, why are they standing up for these people? I'll tell you why. Because they're fucking morons <laughs> who parrot lines they don't understand from be- right-wing news sources that yeah. they just- subscribe to without even a second thought a lack of critical thinking and we'll be dragged along lemming like to 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 fucking cliffs you know and and oblivion 100 100 percent. these are the kind of people who would shoot themselves in the head because alex jones told them to it's fucking yeah yeah no to to, for in in the name of gun rights you know yeah exactly exactly hey i'm really glad i had this around and i'm allowed to use it bang yeah exactly i mean like i couldn't put it better yeah all of this I would say to wrap up the idea of this sort of benevolence is that it is mostly designed to avoid heavy-handed government intervention, which hasn't been as considered as these these kind of uh, meetings would uh, would provide, or EU interventions that are sometimes pretty intense. I mean, the GDPR really fucked shit up. If you guys know what that is, never mind. But you just can't please some people. Like when you yeah. have free market capitalists, it's no regulation or too much. They just they. They don't get the, the role of the state in regulating business. They find it to be inherently offensive. They do. They do. But, but here's the other thing, Joe. Conspiracy theorists and cookers have several bogeymen on rotation at oh, any yes. given time. Not just class. Most of them, unsurprisingly, are Jewish. Yes. This is the other thing that constantly intrigues me. And it doesn't intrigue me. I understand what's behind it. Yeah. But they are being sort of dragged, uh, you know, Without without any without any form of protest towards a sort of anti-Semitic view. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And this is the sort of thing like I'm not sure whether it's just classic anti-Semitism, if there's Nazis involved in you know sort of grooming these ideas. But George Soros is a popular one. You would have oh, heard yeah. this if you've seen anything from Cookers. They love to rely even just right wingers. He's mostly reviled for his funding of left-wing political activism causes, and this is through the Open Society Foundations, which is an organization he founded and just gave a casual $32 billion to. Yeah, I mean, that's so much money. Soros gives grants to these organizations that advance a progressive agenda, and there's all sorts of education grants and things like that. He did fund some Black Lives Matter groups, and this severely triggered the right wing in America, creating this wild backlash against him because, you know, Newtonian politics is just a fucking bitch. But the thing that's interesting here is that Soros, many of you all know this, but Soros was born in Hungary. 
and his birth name was Schwartz. His birth surname was Schwartz. Schwartz. Changed to Soros to avoid Nazi persecution. And you start to wonder, I wonder why Soros isn't a big fan of right-wing fascism. I mean, hmm, the mind <laughs> fucking boggles, right? It's, it's rather, rather obvious. And and furthermore, that look, he's been accused by various members of the right of having basically, um, let me say, collaborated uh, with Nazis. Now, the, the history mm-hmm. of... The history of uh, the final solution, the Holocaust in Hungary, is that Hungary, the Hungarian government resisted it for a very long time, and it was only towards the end of the war that uh, Hungarian Jews were were sent off to um, uh, were sent off to concentration camps and and off uh, off to uh, gas chambers. Uh, and Soros yeah. then obviously was a very young boy, um, but he's been actually accused of collaboration. It's completely baseless. Um, oh, and, but it's based on this idea anything, of, well, how can you be a Jew in, in Eastern Europe uh, during uh, you know, during World War Two and 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 go uh, and go unpersecuted, you know? Which is that that's a really bizarre thing. Hiding effectively, basically. Yeah, which well, well, the but- Hungarians. Well, they certainly did better than the French. They did better than the Italians and so forth. They actually yeah. resisted calls uh, from the Nazis to uh, uh, to send off their Jews to. Um, uh, to uh, to concentration camps for a very long time. They resisted as long as huh. they could, really. Yeah, hectic. So while Soros does absolutely fund progressive causes, conservatives in the US will basically pin anything they don't like on him. And it goes to the point of comical, and this is where Stu Peters comes in. Well, I put your comfort, all in caps, in the hands of George Soros and other big brother shopping centres. Put your comfort in the hands of my pillow. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the thing. So they use George Soros as all sorts of bogeyman figures, but to sell pillows? Well, my pillows, um, my pillow to be specific. And you can punch them. You can punch pillows. And that way you can punch George Soros. Yeah, I mean, look, only if you buy them from Big Brother shopping centres. You know, if you buy them from Mike Landell, you can't punch it because that's punching freedom. Mike, Mike's pretty much all online nowadays, isn't he? Yeah, and, I think so um, because that's the yeah the big yeah, brother shopping centers have told the out. fuck off. He's he's just hitting the pipe right now. I think he really speak. is a cooked individual. But this is the extent of which George Soros permeates this sort of dopey right wing bogeyman sphere. You know, he's got to the point where it's like pillows, pillows. I mean, that's silly. Punchable pillows. Yes. <laughs> So Soros is pegged as the guy delivering the pallets of bricks to BLM protest, and they were just photos of construction sites, but this is just classic disinformation. My favourite and one that I participate in quite regularly is the paying people to protest trope, where left-wing activists receive Soros checks for their participation in some sort of civil unrest, like a, like a rally. Jokes on them, though. I say I'm receiving Soros checks, but I very rarely go to rallies. So, oh uh, yeah, get he's paid not checking. for nothing. Do, do you think he's not checking? Yeah, oh no, I'm I'm absolutely on the on the payroll. There's just <laughs> there's just no checks. So when you hear about the cabal and the globalists, basically Soros is there near the top. Oh yeah, he's very close to the top. And I would argue that in recent years, Klaus Schwab has possibly taken the top spot. You reckon? You reckon he's it's number close. one with a bullet, so to speak? Constantly talked yeah, about. Yeah, but, uh, well, he's not Jewish. Bill Gates is always going to be the absolute nemesis of the conspiracy oh, world, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constantly being referenced as a depopulation advocate based on this terribly worded quote from a 2010 TED talk that yeah. uh, Bill gave. First, we've got population. The world today has 6.8 billion people. 
That's headed up to about $9 billion. It's about 7 at the moment. Now, mm. if we do a really good job on new vaccines, healthcare, reproductive health services, we could lower that by perhaps 10 or 15%. But there we see an increase of about one3 So there's Bill babbling without thinking that cookers are listening. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> saying, yeah. What do you mean, 10 or 15? Am I one of those 10 or 15? Are you, Joel? Am I? It I don't just, know. It doesn't sound good. And this is the thing. Like it's Later terrible. on, Melinda Gates, his, uh, his partner, came yes. out with the actual reason why this is a thing. When more children live past the age of five and when mothers can decide if and when to have children, population sizes don't go up. It's all about it's all about it's all about the liberation of women, particularly in the developing world. Uh, yeah, sorry, I'll go on to say Melinda Melinda Gates goes on to say they go down. Parents have fewer children when they're confident those children will survive into adulthood. That is particularly a burden for women around the world. Yeah, to it's totally a thing. More and more children, eight, nine, ten, twelve children, the highest birth rates in the world, highest fertility rates in the world are in the developing world. Yep. South Korea, gone backwards yet again. And that's what Bill Gates is trying to achieve, but cookers don't understand nuance and they need Melinda to come out and kind of well, de-build the quote. Because, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Bill Gates is Bill Gates. I mean, what do you expect? Yeah. The, guy's, the guy's quite just brilliant a f- and genius, but he's also a fucking idiot at times. Complete fucking nerd and yeah, just, yeah. just went through that speech and go, yeah, I can't see a problem there. He gets so enthusiastic about things and you can see it and you're like, mate, you are not participating in the world around you. Just tune in, tune in. So my theory on why Bill Gates is considered to be the bad guy here is because he's pushed for vaccination. No this doubt, is, no doubt. <clears throat> it's just a theory, but anti-vaxxers are the backbone of conspiracy theories. They have been for so many years and Bill Gates just loves jabbing kids. In the eye. He likes to jab them in the eye. He does. He likes to jab them. And look, I must say that does Hold sound down. bad. Hold him down and jab him in the eye. But he does. He loves jabbing kids. He loves vaccinating children. And anti-vaxxers lose their fucking minds at the idea of vaccinating children. So this, I think, is why they hate him. But I'm also going to have to give a bit of credit here to Billy because uh, he also used to hang out with Jeffrey Epstein, who also yeah, liked didn't jabbing everyone, kids. I mean, didn't everyone? Didn't you? I mean, yeah. I'm sure there'll be a photo of you sitting around with Jeffrey Epstein somewhere. No, I uh, think you're laying Maxwell. We'll wait. <laughs> but, like, this is the thing, man. Like, you know, like, okay, like, Bill Gates, I'm not 100% sure, not completely sold in the Epstein connection, but then Melinda took a bit of an issue with that and said that maybe that's a part of the reason why she bailed. So, yeah, look, there's something to be said about Epstein, and and, and you know, the, the, he's so toxic that the dead guy, uh, <laughs> um, um, uh, that, that, that basically anyone who was photographed with him, you know, always carries that taint. But the yes. fact is that Epstein. Uh, and through uh, through the introductions that Ghislaine Maxwell made on his behalf, started really basically sort of getting uh, getting to towards the getting the audience of very very uh, wealthy and popular people. Yep. Um, it's just well after, Bill Gates. This is well after he he had that association with Trump, for example. And, and yeah. while that was somewhat different based on the girls uh, and and Jeffrey Epstein liking them a little bit younger than the Trumpster does. Uh, that what we saw is a large number, large number of academics, large number of corporate figures, large number of philanthropists, and others were caught up in Epstein's web. Yeah, yeah, and you know, you you fuck with spiders, you know, you get eggs. But yeah. look, 
Not sure we that, could. Not sure that's the that's the phrase. But anyway, <laughs> well, rock spiders, dogs and fleas, yeah. <laughs> or as my old footy coach used to say, you know, he was a real fire and brimstone guy. He goes, "If you hang around with cripples, you'll start walking with a limp." <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> to this day, I really don't know what it means, but I just sat quietly, just uh, terrified of people with a limp, terrified, terrified <laughs> of upsetting him. Yeah. That's very funny. Well, look, we could go about the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. You know, I don't want to go into the details of this. We'll be here forever. I can't mm-hmm. bother writing it up. But I just wanted to lay out that sort of go-to bogeyman of the conspiracy universe because it gives a bit of context where Clash Schwab fits into this supervillain theme they're forming. Yeah. While the phil- philanthropic funding of progressive causes and vaccination drives has triggered the conspiratorial right to no end. Clash Schwab has given them a, a new play toy with many new features. Pallets of bricks at BLM rallies only go so far, but apparently Schwab wants you to be completely enslaved in a society, have a chip punched into your head when you're born, which yep. takes complete control of your life in exchange for vegan food and basic conveniences. You have a 7-Eleven yeah. next door. <laughs> That's it. I mean, look, the transhumanist agenda, we're going to have to get to that in the next part because we do not have the time for it in this no. one. But in reality... As we've discussed, Schwab is an engineer, an economist, but he's also a futurist. He loves technology and he loves talking about it. In his book, The Fourth Industrial Revolution, which I painstakingly listened to with a brilliant voice actor. So we didn't have to. Thank you, Joel. Yeah, fucking A. (laughs) He explores various game-changing technologies and the various impacts they might have on work, relationships, society, all that jazz. The sociological elements of the book were actually fascinating. I fucking love this one, looking into the sort of positive and negative impacts of paradigm-shifting technological changes. And essentially, the fourth industrial revolution is this accelerated shift toward automation with artificial intelligence, robotics, robotics. genetic engineering, and biotech. It's creating a new world in a matter of decades instead of centuries, and adjusting to it isn't gradual, it's sudden. Yeah, I, I would actually argue that it's years, not decades, but go on. Well, no, no, you're right, you're right. But at the same time, like we're, the idea of 3D printing organs, which is something that's sort of discussed in the fourth uh, Industrial mm. Revolution, that sort of stuff is a matter of decades. Years, this sort of change, we're not prepared, we're not built for this sort of sudden shifting. No. And the book, which was written in 2016, which is already six years ago, showcases a series of mostly theoretical but generally possible tipping points, which will need this sort of careful consideration at the pay-for-play WEF before Mm. unleashing on the population because it can have an impact. You know, for example, 3D printing may result in advanced manufacturing without the need for human oversight. But who keeps the profits? Where does this go? And what the hell do we do with the auto workers? You know, it's, these well, are questions that, that, that need to be asked. That's that's often, you know, auto workers, fitters and turners, they're often used as example. But this is going to this is going to carry across virtually every every vocation, every job you can think of. Yeah, which should be a every, good thing. Every vocation and job there is. But unless we socialise these gains, then we just have devastating losses. And the losers, well, I mean, they're the kind of guys who, you know, blow up fucking buildings. Well, there are only going to be a certain number of people who, you know, be walking around with a Phillips head screwdriver saying, I'd just like to check your robot, sir. And and the rest, the rest of us will be, you know, if you know. I mean, probably one, one get out is the artistic community. I mean, we just mentioned journalism and so forth being you know, blogs and so forth being being um, being, being written, automated, yeah, being automated. Uh, 
the artistic community probably is the one thing that might survive. But Ooh, you know, I don't know, man. Well, yeah, I'm not even sure about that. But, Jackson but, well, Pollock by a computer, I'll take that any day of the week. Yeah, no, it's not going to be the same. Trust me, it won't be the same. But yeah. uh, the, the but you know that that's kind of you know that, 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 let's face it, the artistic community's not not great for wealth creation. Uh, <laughs> They're so not famous not for being wealthy pull, until they are. Put, our, put all their eggs in that basket, and Joel, you'd say, yeah, I'm going to do some. I'm going to be a painter. Um, yeah. It's no. probably not going to work for you. So no. there, there, there's going to be essentially less work, and that happens across virtually every vocation, medical yeah. science, anything you can think of. Law is becoming automated as well. It's yep. it's a whole thing. They're teaching us that at UCS, basically saying, do this degree. By the way, you're replaceable. Yep. But look, these are just a few examples of the consideration of the book. You can go and get it if you want. It's fantastically narrated or on paper if you're weird about it. So is but it what, readable? Is it readable? It's actually a fantastic. I really like the Fourth Industrial okay. Revolution. I'm it's right, fantastic. Right, uh, I, I should have read it beforehand, but I, 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 it is something that really interests me. I'm, I'm going to have a dash at it. I think you'll like it. It's a really, really great one. Believe me, I'm going to get to the next books he's written. Not so much. What I will say is the reason why I'm explaining this just to express to you how fucking clueless conspiracy theorists are that discuss Schwab's work and what it means. They don't know what he's about at all. They're fucking useless. They have not read the book. They just make shit up. Alex Jones is so egregious in doing this. Not a reader. Alex, not not a reader. Just make shit up. And there's no surprises here. Of course he makes shit up. If anyone's listened to Knowledge Fight, they know the guy's just a fucking liar at the best of times. But he's randomly throws Schwab and the Fourth Industrial Revolution into any conspiracy theory he thinks up on the spot. And the formula basically goes along the lines of this. Bad thing, Klaus Schwab, content. It's like, it really is that banal. Yeah. Klaus being a great bogeyman because, for starters... He says all these things that you probably shouldn't say literally because they sound bad, but he also sounds like a Bond villain. I mean, I feel kind of bad in the way Germans have this like bad guy accent because Americans probably fermented that in film. But honestly, Klaus Schwab could be reading a bedtime story. He could be singing singing you a lullaby and you waiting for a wolf. He just sounds inherently (laughs) sinister. Yeah, it's the bugs. Go, go. <laughs> it goes with the territory, I suppose. It does. But look, when we're talking about um, uh, Alex Jones and technology, we do have a bit of an insight there that he's not a tech guy, Joel. No, he's not a so tech guy. He's You're really right. Really, not looking at the future very much. Is no, he? he's he, not. He is not a futurist. He is not preoccupied no. by the challenges of the future uh, across the planet. And, and <clears throat> but. Um, He's just more interested in increasing his audience so he can sell his supplements and make a quid and then hide yes. the money so he doesn't have to pay. Yes, all, so he doesn't pay his ex wife or the Sandy Hook guys or the lawyers. Yeah, all those people he defamed, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the way it works. Now, the other book, which I painstakingly consumed some of, Stakeholder Capitalism A Global Economy That Works for Progress, People, and Planet. Mm. Great title. Boring as fuck. Honestly, that title it tells sounds, you all you need to it know. It's a bit boring. Yeah. Oh, it, man. I, I'm going to say, I did a political economy degree over about four and a half years for fun. <laughs> I get off on this shit and I was bored. I like, I really tried to get through it because, like, 
it's a 10 hour audio book and like you guys doing hard hats and I'll be out walking the dog. I'm like, no, I'm listening to hard hats. I'm sorry, Klaus. You had your moment. I'm done. I'm bored. <laughs> Fuck yeah. off. Well we'll, well, we'll we'll spare our listeners having to read this awful time and say that shareholder capitalism is a system we generally operate under. Yeah. Companies are obliged to make as much money as they can for their shareholders. Shareholder value, right? That's it. Not your customers, That's it. your shareholders. Sometimes exactly. this includes paying workers as little as possible to retain them in order to increase your profit margin. That's it. And sometimes this involves externalizing costs to maximize profits, maximize margins. For example, a company might decide to uh, release pollution into a river instead of disposing of it responsibly because that's more expensive. Yeah. The cost is externalised to the environment and not factored into the price of production. The fine may be less than a year of uh, responsible disposal and therefore a worthwhile wish- risk to take for the sake of the highest dividend for shareholders. All about shareholder value. That's it. This is all due to the overarching priority of maximising profits. That's where we are now. That's the way we operate since the eighties. The the greed is good mentality has been. Oh, it's been going on longer than that. But yeah, go on. Gangbusters, and this is the thing that Klaus Schwab wants so to turn on. Shareholder going. capitalism. Yeah, and this is stakeholder this is capitalism. Stakeholder capitalism. So, so what's what's different about it? What it does is it replaces the shareholder as being the central point of interest to a broad array of stakeholders. And this may involve the workers of the company, it yes. may involve the environment around the company and the impact that it has. It may involve the markets and the societies that come to rely on them for goods mm-hmm. and services. I mean, you know, if if supply lines cut out. We can't get soap and deodorant because Unilever is having a problem. We don't want that. That fucks with society. The state is also a stakeholder, not just because of the taxation, but also because of employment and all sorts of other implications. The state should have a symbiotic relationship with firms, and it doesn't always work out that way because this is the thing. Firms should not only seek to make money, but they should also seek to make the world a better place to live in. That sounds like the sort of thing that's going to get Alex Jones ornery, Joe. I don't know why. I just don't know why. It's like it's such a reasonable proposition. One of the things that Klaus Schwab uh, says is that a form of stakeholder capitalism, which is played out in Germany, is where there is a tradition of having a representative of the employees on the board of directors. Now, I was giving him shit about this earlier because he doesn't have that at the WEF as far as I can see. He's got Greta Thunberg and guys who paid a million dollars to turn up. Yeah, yeah, right. But but it is um, uh, it is a bit of a... Uh, it is a bit of a standard in Germany and in a lot of uh, European countries. And it's a bloody good tradition. I mean, like, that's what should happen. You should have the ground up to the top. But, of course, one of the things that this relies upon is localised production, where communities and companies form these kind of partnerships for a mutual benefit. But in a globalised economy, in this sort of atomized world, companies have found it much easier to behave ruthlessly in finding the cheapest labour, the cheapest materials and the cheapest logistics in order to undercut the competition and win the market, jack up prices once they leave. And often this will involve these sort of short-term profits, which can also risk the stability of the company, but provide these large dividend windfalls for shareholders and huge bonuses for executives. That's That's the bottom line. That's the motivation, yes. Absolutely. And this is one of the things that Klaus Schwab rails against in the idea of resilience. And Dave O'Neags, of all fucking people, says, watch for the key word resilience because it means this, that, and the other thing. And it's this whole bogeyman of what resilience means. Resilience simply means that the way in which capitalism works on a just-in-time process where things are made to the minute 
and there's no leeway for shocks and problems, when something like a pandemic comes along, what happens? Firms fall down and we have problems in society. People run out of fucking toilet paper. We stop having the ability to access things we're used to. And the thing is, the right wing traditionally loves this sort of shit, this just-in-time production, this free market, free-for-all, but they don't really think about the implications of what it is like to be in a society that relies on this market where shocks and problems exist. All they want to do is maximize profits because they're all fucking shareholders. And at the same time, like, you know, on a long-term basis, rivers, fuck rivers. I mean, look, algal blooms look cool in photos, right? Oh, look how blue that river is. That's fucking sick. And the, the market's meant <laughs> to fix the these algae. problems. Don't eat the algae. No, do not eat the algae, and you know, unless you have to. Yeah, but, look, we, we, we touched on this. Uh, sorry, Joe, but we, 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 no. we touched on this in, in, in the two jacks when we were talking about nuclear power. I mean, rivers are so low in Europe now with, with heat waves and drought uh, that nuclear, <gasps> nuclear power, which is supposed to be clean energy, cheap, all this sort of stuff, uh, and and really, you know, the only bad thing about it was, you know, the potential Three Mile Island or a Chernobyl every now and then. Yeah. But really these things don't work terribly well. A, a nuclear power plant, a large-scale um, nuclear power plant, does not work very, very well around river systems that are declining. Yeah. And, and yeah. climate change will tell you that's what's going to happen. Yeah, the algae sticks to the uh, to the uh, to the uranium. Well, they actually it doesn't pollute the water. They don't pollute the water. They just need large amounts. They need a lot of, of it. it. Yeah, exactly. To, yeah, to cool and then and, and but but in order in, in order to do that, they need cool water. So once yeah. the once the water temperature, even though the waters dec- rivers are declining, once the water temperature starts reading 24, 25, 26, it won't cool. Yeah, that's really problematic. It just turns to steam. Yeah, yeah, but let's keep doing it anyway. <laughs> I like it. I like the I like the ongoing hard hats nuclear war. I'm really into it. It's very very good. So well, while I'm being facetious about all this and you know like delving into the fuck you, it is actually bizarre how the free market advocates will not only cheerlead for a form of capitalism that often results in disastrous consequences, but they'll be viscerally angry at the idea of any kind of market intervention in the form of regulations, whether they be even just self-regulating industry bodies or actual regulations from governments that have some sort of teeth in them, or bodies like the European Union that have that sort of accord to it. Because even if these things don't have a negative impact on the firm and their profits, nothing material goes wrong. These people in big business, but also on the side of it being the commentariat, the right-wing commentariat, and the conspiratorial commentariat, just have this bizarre opposition defiant disorder of just hating being told what to do. Like, get past it. Because I'm absolutely sure that behind the conspiracy theories that attempt to demonize Schwab and the WEF are free market think tanks and political operatives who disseminate disinformation in order to prevent the spread of concepts like stakeholder capitalism. This shit is absolute poison to their brains. Referring to these ideas as some kind of dystopian communism without reason or explanation. It's just that red scare nonsense with no substance to it. But the thing about this, and this is a total cop-out on my part, and maybe part three may not ever happen. I break too many promises, so I don't want to make one now. But that's for another podcast because I have no basis for this theory being disseminated by these 
top-down forces that are trying to demonize this World Economic Forum and their sort of quasi-progressive agenda. But I will say that if Daniel Morrison just wanted to help me with this, I wouldn't say no. (laughs) Daniel's new medium is up, by the way. I haven't read it yet. Yeah, no, neither have I. It Can I only just came up to my thing. attention uh, today, so I'll be having a look at that. Yeah, I need to put aside about four uh, hours and a couple of beers for that. Of course, we do recommend it to our listeners. Oh, strongly, strongly. Check out the ship posting group. He's posted in there, but uh, I mean, like, just just subscribe to his mediums. Yes. It, it is what it is. So anyway, when it comes to stakeholder capitalism, it is basically a more holistic approach to business with the benefits shared across more sectors. And I just don't see the issue with that. Like, it's not socialism. It's being responsible and just basically human. And while traditionally this is being enforced by government regulations, Schwab is a huge capitalist. I'm not giving him a free pass on this. I'm not calling him a lefty. He thinks business will do this themselves because it gives him some sort of warm, fuzzy feeling. But also, and this is more compelling but still kind of bullshit, that activist investors, and I know some of these people who actually do this on basis of climate change who have backed a few of the Teal candidates, well, Teal members now, Yeah, this is alongside banks as well who are starting to get more discerning because it sounds good on paper and the funding sources that generally tend to pump up the the investment capital of these organisations. They will eventually require companies to be socially responsible before investing or lending to their firms. This isn't necessarily because capitalism is inherently benevolent, but there's pressures and pressures can make changes. These are positive things. They're market pressures from investors. They're good. Banks, as as an example, are wide open to a sort of of boycott. I mean, we might also think that that when um, uh, the Adani mine uh, was seeking funding in Australia, no bank would, would, would come forward. Now, to invest in it now. If no one wants to invest in your mine, that means it's pretty uh, probably a really bad idea. Not just from a social, uh, social uh, um, a conscience perspective, but also from a perspective that the numbers really don't add up. The numbers don't add up. Yeah, and that happens a lot with these sort of organisations. That at the end of the day, they are going to rely on subsidies to get by. <laughs> and like you know, they just do. That's what. They, yeah. That's how they work. One of the things that truly triggers free market types is the introduction of a system called ESG. And these are scores, environmental, social, and governance scores. And while I mock capitalists for being self-serving and shareholder motivated, a lot of companies have actually got on board with the ESG score completely voluntarily by releasing a vast amount of internal information they didn't have to do to demonstrate their initiatives to help improve their environmental impact, their social considerations, and their governance practices. Cookers, however, call this a social credit score. It's not. It's voluntary. It's nothing like the Chinese scheme, which fucks with their populace and stratifies them based on whether they're good boys or not. In reality, markets rely on information, and ethical information is, these days, just as relevant to turnover and profits, especially in these sort of new economies with, as you said, the activist investors, the banks having these sort of, you know, these social constraints but conservatives fucking hate this especially because employing women that bumps up the social score and who wants chicks in the office right right skirts they can get pregnant anytime oh they get in the way they get in the way make me a coffee yeah i mean it's just it's so tiring but next up let's jump into the great reset because this is one of those sleeping giants here that we've put right in the back seat and it is the catch-all phrase for idiots to scare other idiots into thinking the world is about to explode. 
Yeah, whether we like it or not, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way we live, some for better, some for worse, but many of these changes, which seem to be temporary, appear now to be permanent. Working from home has become completely normal in white-collar industries where teleconferencing and online collaboration has left an opportunity to embrace new technologies as we readily accept paradigm shifts due to the societal impacts of the pandemic. There's a knock-on effect just on that alone, just on that example alone, you know, uh, commercial property prices, it's just going to plummet. Uh, yeah. and, and those who rely on large amounts of traffic in retail, for example, in yep. our big cities, are going to go without. You know, yeah. They're going to find that their turnovers have, will not come back. Well, they will be replaced by residential and they will probably upmarket residential. But the thing is, this takes years. It and takes years. Businesses yeah, it takes go years. to the it, wall. It, it's real boom bust stuff, yeah. It's boom bust stuff, and the bust is usually small businesses in those, the cafes and, the, you know, and, the, but and then, the high street then the retailers. Price, then the price of commercial real estate goes goes into the shitter, and and then a lot of people go down. Yeah, and this this is why the way in which the World Economic Forum used this quote, which is Winston Churchill's quote from years ago, saying, "Never let a good crisis go to waste." They say this repeatedly in their literature, which is quite tactless in this regard because you've Mm. got this situation where these crises send people against the wall and they like to make light of it. And you think, mate, like never let a good crisis go to waste. Maybe you've got this macroeconomic sort of benevolence going on, but realistically you're saying, okay, I'm really glad people are going against the wall because now we can make sure that the people who replace them are sustainable and more of, our image that we like, which, let's face it, in most of these situations are chain stores and franchises. And I'm not into it. Well, another thing that Winston Churchill said, a lot of things, very quotable things, but one thing he's not, he's rarely quoted on is uh, after we received intelligence on the bombing of Hamburg, two two nights in particular in 1943, which led to the deaths of 42,000 Germans minimum, all of them them civilians, uh, was uh, once he received the, the photographs, uh, once he'd received the intelligence, he turned to Lord Casey and said, "Are we monsters?" <laughs> he really he had a pang of conscience. It, it remains That's this hard. enormous uh, potential war crime, uh, the, the the murder of essentially of, of civilians. Uh, they decided, you know, that basically the technology didn't exist for for pinpoint bombing, so they just decided that they were going to just demoralize German. Yeah. The, 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 the German population with with large-scale civilian bombing. Which is bloody awful. So that's the, now, that's one quote you won't hear from uh, Winston Churchill very often. Are we monsters? Here's one quote you won't hear from Klaus Schwab. Not many at all because it's not a very quotable – No. He's not a quotable guy. He's no. not very snappy. The Great Reset itself one. is a giant steaming turd of a book. There isn't an audiobook version, so I read the text-to-speech version that Ooh. I downloaded from YouTube. Yes, I had a robot read it to me while I was scrubbing walls for very, a very small way. Very wage. dystopian, Joel. Very dystopian. Oh, it really did add to the vibe. And this is, ironically, the kind of automation that Schwab would talk about the fourth industrial revolution. And I can tell you right now, though it isn't quite as good as a voice actor, I still got the message. Yeah, it I mean, would resonate. It would resonate. Yeah. It wasn't that bad. Like, it, it read the book. Klaus gets so many of the predictions wrong in this book. It's essentially a roadmap to fucking nowhere for a different kind of work and life structure, which he's mostly guessing about with all this stakeholder capitalism thrown there for good measure. And I I respect that. Fair enough. That's your vibe. You know, do your thing. Nudge it in. 
A lot of these ideas rely on a cap collapse of capitalism that simply didn't happen. And I personally was shitting myself. I thought, oh my God, capitalism is done for. What's next? Well, what's next? More capitalism. Governments bailed out business. <laughs> Welfare was increased to supplement lost wages in the meantime, taken away the second they could. Confidence in markets never dropped to a point of full-blown economic crisis as much as we like to say it did. There were winners and losers, especially in the tech sector, Schwab discusses with strong reverence these small businesses that go to the wall due to lockdowns and the impact of the pandemic in face-to-face -face commerce, but, like, I mean, really doesn't seem to care that much. The issue here is that right-wing conspiracy theorists who have not read the book <laughs> will tell you all of this was intentional, and they don't know because they're talking out their asses. None of them have read the book, and if they had, they would know it is simply a long-winded list of hopeful plans to implement a more ethical framework in the wake of a financial crisis. That's the whole don't let a crisis go to waste. It's really not evil at all. If anything, boring and pointless. Swing and a miss. And while I believe Schwab had fairly good intentions for the idea of the Great Reset to, as they say, you know, build back better, you might have heard that in conspiracy circles, after the pandemic or in the wake of the pandemic, in reality, he got almost everything wrong, from what I can remember, of this generally pointless book read to me by a robot. <laughs> he uses it to spruik the sort of stakeholder capitalism, which, of course, I read, listened to half of before this. It becomes quite repetitive. And while it was written in a hurry to get in front of the post-pandemic rebuild, it is such a flawed blueprint that's just gone nowhere. And just because Justin Trudeau and Joe Biden said build back better a few times in speeches uh -huh. doesn't mean the Great Reset oh. is a thing. Because from yeah. what I can see, this is business as usual for politicians. And the main paradigm shifts didn't and probably won't happen, regardless of whether they're a good idea or not. That's just that. So you've made it this far through this drawn-out political economy lecture, which you're not getting any accolades for, and now we're going to head to the fun stuff. The crickets. Let's eat some fucking crickets. Mm, mm. Or not. Because yes, of course please. we're not fucking eating crickets. No one's yeah. eating crickets. Well, this is dumb. Some people can. It's a dumb premise. It's stupid. Some people now, do. But, okay, so you can eat crickets. You're right. You can buy a 100-gram packet of cricket powder from Woolies, which contains approximately 500 crickets, according to the website, and the packet will apparently set you back around $8. It's kind of expensive for 100 grams of crickets. You can get yeah, it's a lot of crickets. powder cheap. 500 crickets for just 8 bucks. Yeah, but I mean like 100 so grams of powder. if we all started powder, eating crickets in a, in a capitalist environment, those crickets, that's going to be 80 bucks. It's going well, to be, you know... I want that price to go down or up because I can get a packet of decent vegan protein powder way less than that. But right now, you know, right now a cricket's life is worth six cents. A cricket's life is worth way less crickets. than that. Believe me, Clash Schwab does want that. That is one thing he's gunning for. So if you want the full cricket experience, you can get a packet of barbecue flavored crickets in their mm. whole form from the edible bug shop for $15, including GST. Wow. That's steep. How That's many a crickets? Lot. How many crickets are you getting there? Maybe I think there's like 40 or 50. 40 or 50. It's that's, really... That's, that's, that's a better value on the life of a cricket, I reckon. Look, I'm I'm not into it. I'm sorry, but crickets are valueless. They are. They are. They are. They are the communist sheep to the slaughter. <laughs> if you're in a situation where you prefer your crickets to be hidden, you can get corn chips with a bit of cricket mixed into the flour, and mm. that just pumps up the protein figure. So if you're a bit just, of a bodybuilder... I just don't think it's enough crickets. Look, it's... I tried to find out how many crickets there were, and I uh, I fell short. I couldn't zoom in on the nutritional information. It was really it's annoying. Not enough. 
My personal experience, as I may have said before, was buying them from a 7-Eleven in Bangkok. It was a lot cheaper than like the bougie Australian offerings at like the corner stores where it's like, oh, eat some crickets. It's a real novelty. But the salt and pepper crickets were actually delicious and I bought them on more than one occasion. I didn't just buy them because of a novelty. I actually enjoyed them. That's me. I need to, you know, I need to reconcile that. Rich in protein. They were fucking nice. The salt and pepper seasoning was delicious. They were fried as fuck. This is the thing. The conspiracy theories that are floating around are being pushed by people with decent mouthpieces. And one of them is Senator Zippy Grindset. Zippy! And that's Ralph Babbitt to the new listeners who don't know the whole Zippy thing and the whole Grindset thing. We've got a whole bunch of nicknames for Ralph Babbitt because he's a fucking idiot. And he posted a tweet with this facetious comment which goes, it's a conspiracy theory that the World Economic Forum is pushing for the masses to eat insects. Yeah. If you've uh, ever yeah. seen, if you've ever seen Senator Zippy, you know he's not eating crickets. No, he's not eating crickets. Or maybe the deep fried ones that I had in Bangkok, and they were. Delicious. Oh, whatever he's eating, it's fried, but it ain't crickets. Oh, yeah, you're being so sarcastic. It's a conspiracy theory. It is, and you're an idiot. But the great thing is, is that he had he posted receipts. He put a link to an article, and this is what it says: Davos Agenda 2022: Five Reasons Why Eating Insects Could Reduce Climate Change, February 9th. 2022 and the article explains the benefits of eating insects it's high in protein low environmental impact and breeding crickets for food uses considerably less resources just across the board less land less feed less water less labor everything we get it we get it not only that but crickets are the kind of superfood that hippies love you know they love like spouting oh vitamin b12 vitamin c19 (laughs) they are packed with vitamins and amino acids and all this sort of shit that they pay a Fortune for in supplements. Yeah. It's no, so it's hard name, to know. Riboflavin, whatever exactly. that is. Why are they against it? Yeah, but unsurprisingly, nobody is forcing you to eat crickets. Crickets or not, it's your choice. You it know? is. It's your choice because you're a rich person. And while there is an excellent argument for using cricket powder in the place of whey protein, for example, it's up to you whether you want to make that leap. That's the right. main reason why this is optional for you isn't because anyone is or isn't trying to force you to eat bugs for the climate. It's because you're wealthy. Well done, you. You were born in Australia. Your labor's worth a fortune. For some reason, you're special. You won the lottery. Won the fucking, absolutely won the lottery. Like, you know, the menial labor for $30 an hour. Yeah, try that in Burma. Now, I do apologize to any of our Burmese listeners in the developing world who are making, say, under $2 a day, maybe knitting our socks. Genuinely sorry. I don't know if you exist, and if you do, please email us. Uh, We'll send you a stubby holder. But I'm going to make the wild assumption that most of our listeners haven't had to wrestle with the burden of genuine starvation due to a lack of resources. I mean, bone-crunching starvation where you're going to die. And these people are more than happy to eat crickets because they'll eat anything. Because due to awful globalized capitalism, they're starving. Not great. Globalised capitalism, but with with elements of climate change, with with uh, profoundly affecting crops and fertilisers, uh, also with conflict in the Ukraine, two of the great food bowls of the, oh, of the world are, uh, are not taken out. I mean, the Russian one is basically they're going to weaponise food supplies, uh, and then we have you know hangovers from the pandemic of of uh, of supply routes being you know basically just taken out. Yeah, it's a nightmare. And yeah, you've got traditional places like, you know, sub-Saharan Africa that are just, it's hard. It is a fucking hard situation. And unless you've got money, you go hungry. 
and mm-hmm. that fucking sucks. This is regardless of climate change goals, which are very real and very reasonable, but they don't matter at this point. The ability to feed the planet is getting more and more challenging. According to the World Economic Forum, this is a quote, by 2050, the Earth will have nearly 10 billion people and the demand for protein will exceed our ability to procure it. Fair enough. That -hmm. was in the article. So despite the idiotic theory that elites are trying to depopulate the world through vaccines, they're not. The people at the WF are actually trying to address this challenge without being on Telegram being like, oh, Bill Gates is killing poor people. (laughs) Shut up. It could be argued, quite rightly, that they also see this as a business opportunity. And they really do. They see dollar signs in fucking everything. But the fact of the matter is, is that poor people want to eat and crickets will be a valuable food source in poorer countries who are literally starving, dying from lack of food. The fact that rich white people have centered themselves in this conversation is actually fucking embarrassing. Nobody's coming to take your steak away, idiot. You're rich. You're the elites. Eat what you want. Yeah. It's not a problem for you. You know, maybe you have to eat mince instead of steak every now and then because you're so disadvantaged. Calm down, down, Joe. It's so frustrating to watch. But one way that crickets and insects can be used, however, is indirectly where you won't notice them. Shut the fuck up. Instead of feeding livestock traditional feed full of grains and energy-intensive nonsense, insects could take that place. And let's face it, Chickens are meant to eat insects. That's and we can, nature. And we can eat the chickens, right? We're going to fucking eat these chickens. Oh, we're <laughs> going to eat these chickens. We're going to eat these chickens for days. And don't worry, as my sister once said, I have never met a chicken I didn't want to eat. 100% agree. <laughs> Fuck those guys. They <laughs> They're will fantastic kill- chickens. That is the most uh, consumed meat on the planet by a huge margin. I thought it was pork because of Asia, but that's no, not No, no, no. Ch- chickens. Chickens, probably about two-thirds of the global meat diet. They are delicious, and I Mm. love them for that because their dead eyes make me feel nothing about killing them. So, look, it is weird we feed them grains. We shouldn't. Changing out grains insects could reduce greenhouse gas emissions in chicken farming by 45%. This isn't going to impact us. We won't notice. I don't fucking care what my chicken ate as long as I get to eat it. Cookers will kick, scream, bitch, and moan. And why? Just because Alex Jones told you to, you fucking mindless dopes. Chickens are meant to eat insects. If anything, this is more natural. Yeah, you love it is nature. It's actually better for them, yes. It makes fucking sense, right? And, like, we're not even considering animal welfare in this. Male chickens are just thrown into grinders because they were born. We are not considering this whatsoever. And while that should be a benefit that is appealing to customers and makes people feel warm and fuzzy about eating meat replacements... Once again, we are centering ourselves in this conversation. And while we might feel a little bit bad about tucking into a cow or a pig, maybe for a second, apparently the Chinese, which is a huge like market for meat products, especially pork, do not give a flying fuck about animal welfare. It's no consideration. I was listening to a WF podcast on veganism to sort of research for this podcast. Really adamant and quite brutally adamant. The Chinese do not give one solitary fuck about animal welfare. But price and availability will be an issue. And if improvements to feed will result in lower prices, they'll be quite pleased by that. But then again, doubling down on that, if lab meat ends up tasting like pork and costing less than the real thing, well, they may very well end up being large consumers of it. And why wouldn't they? Look, it's one of those uh, great economic indicators, actually. It's the price of pork in China. Mm. Uh, because China is a is a country with a, a long uh, established history of famine, 
And so while the price of pork is is still reasonably high, and it is, it, it's not it's not through through the zones. It's actually down a little on the last month, for example. Oof. That means things are going okay in China, despite the fact that they've had drought, despite the fact that they've had heat waves, housing despite the, crisis, the, despite as well. the fact yep. that they will have grain shortages this year. Mm. Um, the price of pork is still pretty high, so that indicates China is in reasonable shape. The other thing to say about uh, about chickens is um, basically, you know, we are they, they are supposed to meet to, to eat insects, and it and this way will will basically take away a lot of the animal cruelty associated with it. I mean, yeah. you know, the battery the battery stuff. They I mean, this is all very middle class yeah. stuff, but 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 battery battery farms. Are almost a thing of the past in chickens for chickens in Australia, and, and Joel, you talked about male chickens being thrown into grinders. They're one of the one of the high paid jobs in the whole poultry business is those is the people who can go through eggs and determine male or female by looking at them <laughs> and, and 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 throw out the male ones. And yeah, That's so that happens a lot. business. That is a uh, that is a job I'm not applying for. It's a highly skilled uh, poultry business. Yeah, if you're looking for a job that'll bring you sort of good seventy or eighty dollars an hour, there you go. Eggs, good egg, Lord. egg. I don't know. I don't even want to egg, egg, uh, egg discernment. Yeah, um, egg That's, guys. Mm. How do you sleep? I don't know, but bless their hearts for doing it because I definitely eat the produce. Another issue is pet food. Total climate nightmare. Dogs and cats currently consume apparently around one quarter of the meat produced in the USA. That's fucked up. Do you really give a shit if your pets are eating insects? Like, as long as it's good for them, who cares? Who gives a fuck? Lindsay well, if you've ever looked at any anything. of that sort of dry food, you feed your cats and dogs, you think, yeah, there's, there's, I'm pretty there's sure some there's insects some, in there. There's some insects in there. There probably is some insects in there, just incidentally, because, like, who gives a fuck? So, Zippy's Twitter thread on this was, as you can imagine, full of vomit emojis. Oh, I can't. Oh, and oh, basic yeah. takes on how we're going to be forced to eat insects, blah, blah, blah. Nobody fucking read the article. One idiot with a really classic homophobic display picture post a video of some kids in a classroom eating some crickets during a presentation by some dude who works in the cricket farming sector. And I'm just going to say, so what? fucking what? But God, they're obsessed with children doing things that they wouldn't do. Oh, my God, the children eat the cricket. I wouldn't eat the cricket. They're being <laughs> fucking abused. But this is the bizarre fear and area they're trying to push. They're making your kids eat crickets. Maybe we should shoot them all in a fucking row. We're all going to eat crickets next. The children first, then us. Shut <laughs> the fuck up. Ah, oh, no, we are not. But with the population rising to the point of absurdity and the risks inherent in concentrated agriculture like zoonotic diseases from cramped animals and the issues around waste disposal and emissions, because I'm telling you right now, pigs and cows shit a lot and it yeah, goes into rivers. A if loss. it doesn't go into rivers, it's so expensive to get rid of and no one wants to pay that because the prices are very competitive. It ends up getting dumped. Well, it, it, it used to, Joel, and, and, and in the normal scheme of events, it does. But right now, because of a chronic uh, shortage of chemical fertilisers, um, a, a pig and cow manure is much sought after. It doesn't ah. give you the same crop crop yields in grains that um, chemical fertilisers will, nitrogenous or phosphorus uh, fertilisers, but... Um, but it will increase your crop yield. It's better than nothing. Uh, but the basically. Ukrainians are on holiday, so we can't have that. You know, so to the, it holiday. got to the point, and I haven't looked at this recently, but the price of manure 
uh, in the United States was sitting around about eleven hundred dollars a ton. That's one way of solving it. That it, it is one way of solving, it. and for the first time in a well, first time that historic in, in, in history, basically large commercial farms are, are now um, basically setting themselves up to remove the manure and sell it. Well, what I will say is that is the one example tonight where I've seen the market fix a problem, and I like to see it. Mm. But one example that hasn't been fixed is exponential population growth, which Bill Gates was meant to control. He's done nothing to slow this down. He's fucking useless. So we're going to have to sustain this somehow, yeah. right? We're going to have to feed these people because Bill Gates hasn't killed them with vaccines, which I am personally heavily disappointed by. Bill, get your act together. Mm. Crickets are just one idea, right? It's the controversial one. It's one that right-wing commentators like to get a hold of. There's so many. The GMO crops and things like that, they only really appeal to hippies. There's all sorts of solutions out there, possibly being discussed at Davos, which will feed the poor that are exponentially growing because they keep fucking. But the thing is, and this is the basic thing that Ralph will never know and never care, he's not the poor. None of this applies to you. So shut no. the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. No, he's a senator. He's, uh, he, he's got to speak. But it would be sensible if he, uh, if he actually did some research, some proper research. Well, and would then be sat sensible. down. And, and, I mean, look, he's a senator. He's getting paid $200,000 a year. Go and Plus. talk to people. Get them on the phone. Talk to talk to experts. Don't talk sort to of anyone. sit around listening to fucking Craig Kelly and Teeny Weeny Malcolm Roberts. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> it's fucking, you know, look, this is. You this have is, an obligation, man. It's Ralph Babbitt. And look, this is a bit of a side note, but I have to say it. Ralphie, your Senator's register of interests was very dire. I am so disappointed. I thought you said you had investment properties. You said you were making a fortune before you went into the Senate, but you had to <laughs> take a massive say that. pay he cut. Did say, I remember him saying that. He did, but he lied because the register tells everything. All you have is a bank account and a loan on a Mercedes. You know what? Rich people don't have car finance. No, That's they just don't. the way it works. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have three-year car leases. No. <laughs> Zippy, you fucking fraud. And the thing is, like, I'm just disappointed because he's got a loan from Mercedes-Benz Financial Services, which means that he's stopped That's probably buying. fairly recent, I'd suggest, Joe. But it's a Nissan Silvia. You know, that, that's his true car. Yeah, Kylie sent that, us a message a while ago that, saying that- That car screams zippy. But Deesh is a Nissan Silver enthusiast, but now he's a senator. He's too cool for Japanese imports. He's, he's, he's a out German these, car guy. himself a new car lease, you idiot. I mean, if you ran the, the national economy on that basis, you moron, we'd all be broken out of work. I mean, it's just, it's just that the, he sounds like an absolute idiot. He, I mean, that's it's a little dish, bit though. like Scott Morrison. Dish. Scott Morrison, who we found out, has two mortgages uh, <clears throat> on his home now. I mean, this is a guy who's just not very good at money, mm. and he was a federal treasurer for three years. 500 grand a year, and you can't pay off your house. Well Jesus, done. Just well done, you idiot. Well, well done. So we digress there a little bit, but Your the cricket agenda- did is also alongside the vegan agenda. The WF is is going to stop us from eating meat. This is their plan all along. So recently on Telegram, a message was shared from user Adam Friedland, which was all over Twitter, and it said this. Well, Adam Friedland, that's that's a cow's name, isn't it? You know, isn't that isn't that is a Friedland? Isn't there a, a type of cow? So I think you know that, that might be that might be where that name comes from. Anyway, this is what he said: Breaking news, lockdown, 
7.0 has been confirmed <laughs> for Melbourne on August 14. It is now the 31st. What does this mean? The Andrews government said in leaked emails, compulsory masks for all aged 12 plus, compulsory fourth dose for all aged 16 plus. Meat shortages will be addressed by limiting all Victorians to a maximum of non one sorry maximum of one non vegan meal daily for at least six weeks. More to come. More to come, indeed. And while I'm going to put it out there and say this is probably satirical, at the same time, this is a general say with that name. Yeah, it, it, say it with that satire. Name. <laughs> but what it does show is it shows this idea that we are going to be controlled by some sort of force and that's going to involve not eating meat. It might be satire, but it's not far from the truth in the cook universe because this is what they're saying. We are being pushed by Klaus Schwab to wind up as vegans. And what are we going to do? We're going to start buying steaks on the black market because Klaus Schwab wants us all to be vegans for the climate? I, I should just clarify that it's a freeze land uh, that is oh. the breed of cattle, very popular in, uh, in, uh, in, in the Netherlands and in Western Europe generally. Freeze land, but this is freed land. So, so Adam may not be a cow. May, he may not be a cow. But he also may be a cow. But he could be a cow. He could I'm be. My he, options open. he could be a lobbyist for big cow. But I mean, okay, so what I'm going to say is that maybe Klaus Schwab does want us all to be vegans. Maybe he doesn't. Who fucking cares? It's, the meat it, it, industry is not going anywhere. It's like a trillion-dollar industry. They openly discuss this on the WF podcast that discusses meat, and believe me, it's not in a favourable sense. It's here to stay. They are open about this. If you actually listen to WEF instead of Alex fucking Jones and teeny Winnie Malcolm Roberts. But alternatives, including lab-grown meat, may end up tasting the same and wind up far cheaper than traditionally raised and slaughtered meat. I mean, like, mm-hmm. that shit takes time to grow in pastures. I mean, like, it, meat isn't cheap to make. It's just subsidized and heavily efficient. I mean, investment in meat alternatives by vaccine singing arch villain Bill Gates has been a huge red flag for conspiracy idiots who are looking to try and just poke holes in advancement because they're Luddites that want to hold us back. Gates put in over $50 million into Impossible Foods, which is this sort of leader in meat alternative products, and they haven't IPO'd yet, but it's a big investment. And then he went out and spent a whole lot of time telling people they should get off the traditional meat and into these alternatives. He also invested heavily in a firm called Beyond Meat, who did have an IPO and went on the market. When the price pumped on the back of his and many other celebrities' endorsements, saying how wonderful and brilliant this meat was, he sold a giant chunk of his shares at $160 a share. Wish I had known about that. Yeah. I know. Bill Gates being my financial advisor will be the business because that guy plays. He's even, well, I won't say he's even worse than Elon Musk because Dogecoin, but you know what I mean. But, 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 yeah, no, that's right. But, but um, uh, doesn't he also own cattle? Doesn't he have a, a, a big ranch? In- oh, he's got farmland all over the States. Not yeah. nearly as much as cookers like to say he does. Right. But it's a small amount of farmland and I believe a lot of it is based on this idea of doing like progressive intensive farming which is low environmental impact and high yield and most of it is actually just as I'm about to say now about making money he sold his shares in this beyond meat at 160 
The stock value shit the bed, went down to $76 not long after. Now it's at $20 to $4.50. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, like, when, that's when you and I would have bought in, Joel, about 76 bucks. About 76 bucks, yeah. <laughs> that, exactly, yeah, exactly. Now and like this is, $24.50 and we can't bail out. Mm. But this is the thing with like Bill Gates. Like He does care about the climate. I believe that entirely. And he's all about investing in mid alternatives because that's good for the climate. But he's also a fucking wild capitalist and a ruthless businessman. Don't forget, that's where he comes from. So sometimes it's important to remember that the real devil in this situation isn't Bill Gates trying to depopulate the world or some kind of agenda. It's just capitalism. He wants to make money. He's just a money-making guy. It's well, just- it, it, it's it's not just it's not just capitalism. It, it's this concept that um, of universal consumerism that consumerism can just keep, can can go on and on and on without consequence. It, it can't. Oh, totally. Not, but the not thing with when 10 it comes billion to Bill people. Gates, you just can't, he, I guarantee you. He will invest in benevolent causes until it gets to a point where he's like, oh, I could make a buck of getting out of this right now. Fuck Beyond Meat. I'm going to sell out. His sale would have impacted that share price for sure. But he couldn't give a fuck. Oh, it's yeah. fine. But that's it's not an insider trading or anything like that. It's, no. it's, not, it's not anything illegal. It's just that Bill Gates has dropped off and so investors have too. But he's also probably saw a trend. I would imagine so. Anyway, whether we end up eating synthetic lab-grown meats or farm meats, it's going to wind up being the choice of the consumer, at least in the developed world. But as the developing world starts to get a taste for high-quality meat, there will be more buyers in that market, Correct which way. will drive up those prices. We're, we're looking at we're, we're looking at you know huge populations in India and China, you know, Indonesia, Indonesia as well. Yeah, um, uh, with with just burgeoning middle classes. You know, there's burgeoning nothing we've never seen anything like this uh, on the planet before, and that will lead to obviously everyone wants a fridge, everyone wants a car, and they will want to have a steak. And they will, the rising you know. tide was meant to float these boats. Now they're floating, and we're all whinging about the fact that they want a fucking steak. I mean, mm. it's really silly. So if we're in a situation where synthetic and plant based alternatives are cheaper and of some kind of equal taste and quality, we will see people replacing meat with alternatives. Not because Klaus fucking Schwab told us to do it or made us do it, because it's cheaper and it tastes good. Simple. It's nourishing. It's fine. Shut the fuck up. The alternative meat sector is pandering to these whiny meat eaters to the point of absurdity, making sure it's just right for your delicate palate. Oh, does it taste mm. just like meat? It won't be very much cheaper because this is capitalism after all. It won't be very much cheaper. It'll, it'll be, be enough, a little bit less. But it'll enough to undercut it. But you're right. You're right. They will They will find their delicate midpoint. I should probably start inve- investing in the sector. But at the end of the day, it's just a fucking burger. It's it's one dinner of a million. Just eat eat mm. the fucking impossible burger and then have a <laughs> meat one tomorrow. Just shut the fuck up and stop whining. Now, we're getting to the end of a very long show, but the other major conspiracy, which is constantly referred to, is the hysteria around the article we mentioned earlier in, the, in this program. Welcome to 2030. I own nothing, have no privacy, and life has never been better, which, if, with the exception of that third part, is pretty much how I'd like to uh, describe my autobiography, how I'd like to entitle my autobiography. Um, <laughs> I own nothing, have no privacy in life. Well, you know. Eh, it was okay. Eh, eh, eh. Complain. Yeah. Anyway, it's by a Danish politician and uh, WEF young global leader, which already makes me suspicious, Ida Orkin. And we can't get to that because this is a topic that's just too damn 
<laughs> and thorough that we have to really get into. We have to put our futurist hats on to get into that, and we're going to do that uh, for our next rabbit hole. I, I've it, it's so big and it's so funny, and there's a whole bunch of stuff. We'll cover the article and this reality of these smart cities in part two, where we'll look at the utterly dystopian Neom project in Saudi Arabia, which intends to create a smart city in the desert. And mm. the World Economic Forum had their fingerprints all over this, but I'm almost certain, and I plan to research this further, that it's because the Saudis just throwing dumb amounts of membership They've money at them. They've got a lot of money and they are throwing it around. Remember that $900,000 that I was talking about? I mean, that's that's the tier they'd be in. That's, that's, in, the, yeah, that's in the cigarette ashtrays. Yeah, it is. And the land upon which this neom is being built was inhabited by local tribes. But after a bit of an argument with the local leader, they just shot him and just took the land. I mean, <laughs> this is classic Saudi stuff. But we'll, I'll get that more right next time because I probably made a mistake there. But that's kind of what happened. We'll also well, maybe they didn't the- shoot them, Joel. Maybe they paid them some money to go and live in an island somewhere. So you don't know. Oh, your beach house. No, there's there's bullet holes. There's there's a there's a dead guy. Yeah. He's he's full of holes. It's it's oh, no well. good. All in the name of progress. Very optimistic. Uh, but we will cover some of the dumber conspiracy theories that are kind of funnier as well about Klaus himself. Was his dad a Nazi? No. 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 Did he walk around with his dick out in bondage gear? Probably mm, not. Can't no. be sure. Well, there is a wealth of absurd shit surrounding this guy. He's truly one of the most misunderstood people on the planet, and that's how they like it. But mm-hmm. now you should at least have a vague idea of why cooks are so convinced we are all about to start pecking at bugs for food and living in weird communist utopian hellscapes where everything is free, but you don't quite know why or how, <laughs> but it is, and just, there's an asterisk. Just line up because Bill's got another jab for you. Exactly. There's the catch, <laughs> and believe me, there is one. You're going to have to wait to find out why. And you have been listening to the Conditional Release Program with your hosts, Jack the Insider and Joel Hill. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button. And if you've enjoyed our bullshit, throw us a five-star review on your podcast app. Jack can be found on Twitter on at Jack the Insider and Joel on at Crunchy Moses with a K. Mm-hmm. It's on a Facebook page you can find fairly easily. Just Google the Conditional Release Program. It's quite unique. It's fine. But... As usual, promoting a podcast is easier said than done. If you like this episode, share it. If you want to give it to your friends, maybe they'll start listening to us. Maybe they'll be a patron. That'd be fantastic. But yeah, please do so. We'd be eternally grateful. And we'll get back to our normal programming or our other week programming with all your favourite segments next week. We will. And the Patreon is up and running. And we ask listeners to consider throwing a few dollars our way. For as little as $5 a month, you have access to all sorts of bonus nothing. content. That's, that's just a packet of crickets. It's not bad. It's not bad. Actually, to be honest, I think it's about like a third of a packet of crickets, really. Yeah. It's like a month supply you of can, crickets. You can actually save on your cricket expenditure. Yeah, exactly. No, I think this will work out really well for you if you do uh, judge any crickets. But if we do get to a 1,000 patrons, what I will do is I'll eat nothing but crickets for a month. Ooh. And honestly, I'm telling you, they're not that fucking bad. Yeah, but I'm going to say, Charles, I wouldn't want to have a look in your brasco. Uh, yeah. <laughs> lots of and, legs, lots of yeah. undigested lots, legs. Yeah, wings, no wings. It was a packet of crickets. Hold oh, the wings. Um, <laughs> I'm not morally. Oh, sorry, we we too love the grift. It's just we're not as good at it as the cookers are. Help us. 
We're morally conflicted. I'm not morally conflicted at all. I'm going to sell you into Saudi servitude in this neom smart city they've built. And who's going to maintain the robots, you ask? Oh, who is? You will, my friend. (laughs) You will. You will maintain the robots. Pick up your screwdriver. Yeah. I don't care how hot it is. Better take the back off this robot right now. See you having trouble with your... With your with your robot there, missus. <laughs> and finally, all feedback, tips, and death threats should be sent to the conditional release program at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, even if it's to tell us that you've got a great idea for an article. You'll own tons of shit and be miserable. Don't need to read it, mate. We're already living the dream. I've got tons of stuff. I'm not feeling it. <laughs> Thanks, listeners. See you next time. Right, see ya. I don't think I ever want to talk to any of those people. Fuck me, you guys!